Welcome to the Sweet Fire Podcast, where we study and celebrate the lives of women who dare to let their fire light up the world. I'm your host, J.P. Mitchell, educator, author, speaker, and curator of great stories. The Sweet Fire Podcast was inspired by the picture book, Sweet Fire. Let's see what today's episode has in store. Today, we are talking with Sue Jablonski, who is a chief marketing officer at Ohio Health, which is based in central Ohio and serves 50 surrounding counties throughout the region. She's been in this position for 15 years and many hospitals, 14 to be exact, and outpatient facilities are part of the network of care which she oversees. They have 30,000 associates and providers. And in fact, my personal health care is connected to Ohio Health, which is a fun fact, maybe. Most of her career she's spent in healthcare, and she and her team are involved in all aspects of marketing and communications, including advertising, media relations, social media, digital marketing, internal communications, and so much more. Sue also has a passion for helping people to develop personally and professionally, and I am honored to have her with us today. So thank you, Sue, for joining us. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) So, you know, you may know that I ask kind of some core questions to every guest who comes on, and I love the variety of answers that we get so many different stories and different people. So I'm just going to jump in here and start off with this question. What resonates with you about the Sweet Fire message and how do you see yourself there? So let me first tell you, I love the Sweet Fire concept. And I like it from two perspectives that may see opposing, but that's why I like them. I like the simplicity of it and the complexity of it. Mm. Um, so that's what really caught my eye when, as I read the book and I've gotten to know you and talk with you. What really resonates with me is the whole concept of encouragement and doing away with labels. Yes. I, that's, that's the big thing. You know, too many people don't get enough encouragement in their lives. And especially when we're children, if we get labeled, you know, you get labeled even lazy or smart or whatever, athletic, non-athletic. Mm-hmm. That that sticks with you for a lifetime. So I think we need to be careful about that. Yes. Yes. And how do you see yourself in this whole concept? Well, you know, I, to what I just said, I think about the labels that I felt growing up and how some of them have lingered into my adulthood. Um I took piano lessons for a while and then decided, you know, like every kid, I got bored and I didn't want to do it for a while. So my mom talked to the piano teacher about, you know, I was going to take a break for the summer. Mm-hmm. And I remember her telling my mom, well, that's probably a good thing because she has no musical talent. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I was probably 11. I remember that day wow. and, you know, it, it stuck with me. So, you know, luckily it wasn't, you know, life altering or it didn't keep me from my dreams, but what if maybe I don't have talent for piano, but maybe I do for the saxophone, you know, yeah. who knows? So I think, you know, that, you know, it, it brought back those kind of memories, but I also then I can balance it with how many people in my life have been so encouraging and, you know, from parents to teachers to friends and relatives. So I think I feel blessed that I had that in my life. I love that. What I hear in that is <laughs> the idea that for some reason, you know, adults, 
which I am now one of, <laughs> you know, you and I are both adults now, but we were children before mm-hmm. adults. Somehow we have this need. I feel like to put things in a box or to tie things up neatly or to have a category for something. And I guess I wonder why we like doing that so much, because I think that like you, you know, we all have those things. I My personal philosophy or my theory is that we all discover a lane kind of young in life and we decide what lane we're going to, <laughs> what our strength base is and we run in that. But the mm-hmm. way we develop that is based on what adults around us are saying. And I yeah. hear I hear a plane in the background. So you may hear that. We may keep that in. But okay. <laughs> that, that background noise will show up. But we hear from adults some kind of feedback about what box we're supposed to fit into. And we say, oh, this is who I'm supposed to be. This is who I am. Okay, that's who I'm going to be. But I think that when we do that, we're really not as all-knowing as we kind of make ourselves out to be like you're absolutely and so why why could we not maybe find a different way to encourage children um for instance i've decided i decided some years ago to stop referring to how cute a little girl is when i see her it's just a cultural thing it's what you're, what i'm used to hearing so it's like i want to affirm her so i say oh she's so and then i started to ask myself why do i do that like what do I hope that this little girl is going to get out of this interaction with me as, you know, a new acquaintance or a stranger right. on her, her appearance. And so I think that there's a lot, there are lots of things for us as adults to rethink about how we engage with children, even when we're trying to be encouraging, like that piano teacher, you know, you right. said that she told your mom, well, it's a good thing because uh-huh. that music. so she probably thought she was being encouraging. <laughs> and sometimes we probably just need to hush, even though we think right. we're being encouraging. Who knows? I could have been a late bloomer, Absolutely. right? <laughs> Absolutely. And that happens uh, as an educator and a literacy person. I'll tell you that happens a lot with kids around reading with, this oh, whole, yeah. you know, like where they are in the end of kindergarten or first grade or whatever. And we're making all these pronouncements about life chances and all sorts of things based on reading levels and reading abilities. But like you said, there is this thing called a late bloomer. So right. yeah, yeah, I think that we've got a lot of kind of rethinking to do as adults about that. I thing. agree. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about who you are and ways that you touch your world? Sure. So who am I? I'm going to tell you I'm a mom. I'm a grandma. I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I'm a friend. And oh, by the way, I'm a chief marketing officer. Yes. So I feel fortunate. I love my work and um, I find a lot of satisfaction and identity through my work. Mm -hmm. Um, But I can tell you over the years, I've absolutely realized um, who I am is, is the person inside and it's the people in my life that make me who I am. So I love, I have to tell you, of course, you know, someday you'll be here, um, Jahari, I'm way ahead of you, but I got to tell you, being a grandma is the best thing ever. Uh, I mean, being a mom is really cool, but there's something about the, you when you're the grandma. Um, So, (laughs) you know, that's so important to me. And and when you ask about touching the world, um, I find that really connected to my answer because um, it's funny, I didn't always see myself like this, but I've had friends talk about, you know, well, 
you're just, you're always there for everybody. You're a relationship person. Uh, I got a, a, a talent or a, a habit from my mom. I send cards all the time. They do. Yeah, I've got boxes of cards at home. I see a card I like, I'll keep it because someday somebody is going to get that card. Yeah. Um, it'll be just the right one. And then they tease me because you, know, you always say, you run into an old friend and say, oh my gosh, we need to get together. You don't have to do lunch. Yeah, that's okay. And then you go and you never do it. I always do it. You know, it's like, if I say it, I'm going to do it. And I just get such satisfaction being around people. And like you, I love hearing people's stories. I am so curious. You know, I've been fortunate to do a lot of um, international travel Mm -hmm. and I have been both in two stories that come to mind quickly in Greece and in Italy. When Mm -hmm. I was next to both elderly women who just kept smiling at me, but didn't speak any English and I didn't speak Greek or Italian in either of those situations. And we bonded and we smiled and we hugged. And I tried in Italy, I was there for a birthday, my birthday celebration. So I was telling the woman on the bus, she's just smiling and she's pointing to me and my friends. I go, friends, family. I go, birthday, birthday, you know, (laughs) me. And I thought, oh my God, that woman's going to go home at dinner and say, this crazy American lady I was trying to talk to on on the bus. But that's who I am. And I love because I think people's stories are so intriguing. And so I want to get to know people. And I don't need masses of people. I like the one-on-one in the small group. I mean, I like parties and all that kind of stuff too, but I really like getting to know one-on-one. What makes somebody tick? One of my best friends, I've been friends for 25 years and she's a physician. You could not get more opposite. I remember the first time we had, we went out for a drink and she would be talking about something and I go, huh, that's interesting. And then I'd say something, she goes, I never thought about that. Hmm. We had this discussion recently about, this is a quick um, a lighting, buying a chandelier. And she's like, what's wrong with that light that you have? You know, it's it's functional. It looks really nice. And I'm like, no, it should be like, I want it to be a piece of art. And she looked at me with this like strange look. She goes, I have never thought of a light as a piece of art. Wow. And so, right. So you, you find the different perspectives and she, she brings the physician, researcher, analytical science mind to things. Right. I bring the creative side. And so um, we've, we learn from each other. And I think that's how you grow as a person. Absolutely. I love that you deliberately put yourself in all these kind of interesting environments and mm-hmm. you become an ingredient to a new recipe almost everywhere you go because the mix of other love people. That. Yeah. You know, it just came to mind right now, but all the mix of, you know, environments change based on who is in the space. Mm-hmm. and. When, when you were sharing those stories, I was thinking about, you know, you on the bus with these people. There was something about you that made them want to talk to you. Something uh-huh. about, you know, even though they couldn't, they talked with their smiles. They talked with their, you know, hugs and all that. Yeah. And I believe there are some people who are just wired to be that. Like you just kind of show up as this light everywhere you go and draw people and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it makes me think about uh, this past. Well, first of all, I saw that in you when I was with your team, your marketing communications uh-huh. team during your retreat. And at the end, you gave feedback to the speakers and you said something specific to each one of us. But you also you are so inviting, like you, uh-huh. you welcomed us into the space as this. This is a part of your experience. You are part of our experience. Like there's a way that. Um, you are with people that everybody is not, right? Oh, you. you know that. Yeah. 
And so I think I can only imagine what those ladies saw <laughs> you that made them know that you were yeah. that one that they could do that with. Like, I just think that's pretty cool. And so it makes yeah. me think about the spread in my book where the little girl is walking um, down the street. And this past weekend, I was at the um, inaugural Columbus Book Festival. And um, I started to get my groove kind of as far as sharing the book. And I started to do like a little book talk. And I went to that spread and I talked about how the illustrator and I had kind of had dialogue about it because I don't know if you remember that spread, but there's a spread where the little girl's walking down the street and everybody's looking at her. And I said to the illustrator, well, will the reader understand this? Because she's not doing anything like there's no strong action here. She's just walking and she had kind of this little light around her. And where we landed was this. It makes sense for the picture to be like this, because sometimes literally you're not doing any special thing. You're just being yourself. And there's this kind of glow around you and people will be amazed by it. Some people will be looking like, oh, my goodness, I need to get to know her. Other people will be looking like, who does she think she is? Yeah, right. There's that, you know, that's real. And I can only imagine yeah. that you've kind of always had that. And and I wonder, have you ever had situations where you being that way, this bubbly, open, you know, welcoming person caused people to look at you with, sus- you know, suspect eyes? Like, what, do you, what is she trying to prove? Have you had that? Well, yes. Yeah, so you know, I'm sure there have been, you know, some of those. But I would just say even the thing that I find out. You know, if I'm over at one of our hospitals or our care sites and I walk to the hospital, you know, it, it's hard being in a hospital, whether you're a patient or a visitor, it's stressful. So yeah. I always make sure I smile and I say hi to everybody. And it's amazing to me, the people that will look at you and smile back and the others who they can see a smile coming and their head goes down and their eyes go down. Yeah. And I'm like, so I would just want to be respectful, you know, of that. Mm-hmm. And so I think part of it is um, being able to, you know, like they talk about be able to read the room. You yeah. know, I'm not going to force myself on it. But in the other times, I've you know, I've been at <clears throat> parties or social events and you see somebody kind of by their own. And I think you can kind of tell when somebody wants to be by their own. And then the other time where it's like they're just uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so I like to go over there. My, my friends tease me because we'll go out to dinner and I'll see somebody eating alone. I'm like, well, look at that one. Do you think do you think maybe they'd want to join us? I'm like, Sue, they probably want to be alone. They're probably happily alone. I'm like. Okay, but I will strike up a conversation with people at the table next to me and, yeah. and you can know whether or not you should keep going or not. Yeah, I like that because um, what that speaks to is also a part of this sweet fire message, too, is being flexible enough to know where you can bring your fire, like bring all of yourself and where to bring a portion of what you are so that people can be you know, comfortable. There is a, a limit where you don't want to stifle yourself to make people comfortable. But like you're saying, right. sometimes people don't know how to take that particular personality you might be bringing. And so it's sometimes it's kindness to pull back a little bit, just yeah. to help them to kind of, you know, receive you, if that makes sense. Yeah, that, that's a great way to put it. I love that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the skill uh-huh. part that I think I want to make sure too that people take away from this book is it's not just all about, oh, you're amazing. Just do whatever you want to do. You just, it's about bringing your fire, which is your uniqueness and all of this in a way that's intelligent and responsive to your audience. So where it makes sense. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So what is it like for you as a creative person in, in marketing and communications 
you know, can you just talk a little bit about that work? Because I'm just kind of fascinated by that, especially as a, a marketing major in undergrad. Yeah, sure. I love it because, you know, it's a combination. So what I say, a big part of what we're doing is storytelling. Mm-hmm. You know, when I think about marketing healthcare, I tell people all the time, I'm marketing a product that nobody wants. Wow. I mean, having a baby, you really don't want our services. You know, you come to us in a time of need. And so it's about making sure the balance that people are aware of what we do and how we can help um, and then creating a trusting relationship. And what's challenging for me, having been I've been in marketing for like 40 some years now is how things have changed. If you just look at technology, you look how much smarter we're getting. We can target messaging to you so that you're not getting overwhelmed with things that are no interest. You know, you're a healthy 25 year old. You don't want the marketing about a knee replacement. (laughs) Okay. And, you know, vice versa. I can can say all that. But what I love is I'm surrounded by really creative people. The challenge for me now I talk about is all of this change in technology and the different generations in the workforce and the different modalities of healthcare that we deliver, virtual healthcare, in-person, preventive Mm -hmm. wellness. I'm like, it's either going to make me old or keep me young. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you one fun thing that I do. In fact, it just I just had a session yesterday. Um, my person, um, my staff member, who's just fabulous, and she's a, a director of our digital um, world. So it's everything from product to user experience and all of that. We do um, every other month, we do what I call a reverse mentoring session. So hmm. she and I get together and she mentors me. And the rule is, I don't want to learn about healthcare. Don't tell me what the what other healthcare organizations are doing in the digital world. I want to know how the digital world is impacting life around us. Yeah. And so then, because then I want to have a conversation about, wow, how could that concept you know, apply in what we do? And so she's, oh, she brings me all kinds of different things. And I remember there's, we have a new Amazon store in town, or I guess it's been about a year now. It's over at Easton. And it's, it's an actual store for Amazon and they sell clothes and all kinds of stuff. Tell me about that. You know, you walk in and I see a sweater on a mannequin and I, on my phone, I go, oh, I want that. Well, I want the green and this is the size I want. And you just keep doing it. And then you hit send and they say, just a moment. And then they go, okay, room two is ready for you. And all your stuff is back there. So we had a conversation about that. Like, what if you come in, you register online to come into our urgent care? You know, mm-hmm. so you think you might have a sinus infection is what you tell us or something. Well, then we know you're going to be there. We set an appointment with you. And when you get in that room, we've already got all the supplies and everything that we need, because that's what we think we're going to do for you. Mm-hmm. How is that being prepared for your experience? Mm-hmm. So people think about, you know, marketing is, you know, oh, you do the ads on television, you do the website. And, and there's a lot of strategy behind it. And nowadays there's so much data and analytics so we can be smarter and mm-hmm. get the right message to the right person. That's probably more than you ever wanted to know about marketing. (laughs) No, I think that makes a lot of sense because like you said, healthcare is surrounded by so much emotion, Mm -hmm. a lot of times fear, different things that come along with it. And to me, when you have a healthcare system where people are spending their time trying to figure out how to best serve you, not just how to reach numbers and, you know, get different deliverables, you know, done and, and, and save money, but literally how they're studying, how to serve you better and how to help you live a better quality life. I think that's powerful. And, 
you know, as you know, as I shared when I was talking with your team, when I was doing my research about Ohio Health, I was really impressed with some of the campaigns that I saw and some of the storytelling that was really human-centered. I felt like it was not just, you know, we want to bring you in and we're the best, but it was it was about the people. And I will tell you, I didn't say this to your group, but it was something that came to mind. There is an unnamed group. I can't even remember specifically which group it was, but I remember some years back, there was a campaign where I went into the airport and there was this huge sign and it said, get cancer. I don't know if you remember this. And but the little words above it said uh-huh. one in three people will, you know, and then it said get cancer. And then like in little letters in their lifetimes. And I they they ended up changing that messaging, I think. But because I, I stopped seeing it after a while. Yeah. But I felt um, I didn't feel good about that. I'll just say it that way, because right. I felt like they were kind of preying on or playing on the fears of people. Fear. Rather right. Than trying to encourage people to live life fully, which is what I saw in your keep making, you know, plans. Right. And and so, you know, I'm not trying to advertise for one hospital system versus another. I know what you're saying. You you know what campaign I was talking about. Yeah. I just thought, wow, that's interesting. Like it didn't feel like care. It didn't feel like respect. It didn't feel like, you know, love for the patients. And so Uh I think there's definitely a lot in what you said about trying to figure out how to give people what they need for what they're trying to do with their their lives. Right. And it's all about relationships and having to have trust. And, you know, like if you talked about our vision statement, you know, we're, we're about providing exceptional care to create moments that matter, that create a lifetime of trust, that earn a lifetime of trust for all. And, you know, those are all really important concepts to us. And so then we get the privilege in marketing of how do we bring that to life? Otherwise, it's just a a tagline or something. Mm -hmm. So we have stories that we tell because we've got examples every single day. It's, It's wonderful. I love that. And I will say that the reason why I wanted to talk to you in this space because I just like talking to you in general, but the reason why I invited you to talk in this space is because this podcast is about women who dare to let their fire light up the world. And I feel like you being able to grow your team to how many people on your team at this point? About 105 people now in marketing. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember you talking about the team being very small, like kind of in the beginning. Yeah. Leading this team in a way that they get to exercise all of their creativity to bring these kinds of campaigns and to bring intelligent, um, responsive messaging to people to connect them to your system. I think that's very powerful. And I think that it's important for a person who knows how to properly wield their fire to be able (laughs) to lead this kind of work. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing, we test everything. We get, we do focus groups and all kinds of tests because we can't just sit there and, oh, it's creative for creative sakes, or I like it. Right. But we want to, we want connections. And so I think, you know, when we've talked, you know, I think one of my superpowers is my ability to connect with people. And so my ability to connect with my team and then let them show their fire. Right. And you get a few flames from here and a few flames from there. And all of a sudden, you know, you've got this blaze of creativity. I love that. I I see a picture of that in my head. Yeah. 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 And I always tell everybody, I may be leading the group, but oh my God, what I, what my job is, is to hire really smart people, bring them together, remove the obstacles and let them, let them do their job. Keep everybody focused 
because they're way smarter than me. That's good. That's good. Can you think of a turning point in your life where you decided to own the unique power and purpose that is in you? So that's an interesting question because it's like, you know, part of it is, you know, when, when did you get that, you know, clarity about your power and your purpose? Yeah. And when I think back on it, I think about a time in college when I was at the University of Toledo and I decided I was going to stay there. I wasn't sure if I was going to stay. I lived in Toledo. You know, you want to leave and all that. But for various reasons, I was going to stay. And I found this thing called public relations. Mm-hmm. And so this is back 1979, 1980. We didn't have, I couldn't Google what public relations was. I had to experience it. And so I decided, okay, UT has a fair program, not a really strong program, but they had this group called the Public Relations Student Society of America. Hmm. And it was a student chapter of a professional chapter. So I got engaged with that. And I remember I eventually was president of it, my last, when I was a senior, but we got this project to do for the American Lung Association. Back then, they used to have something called Christmas Seals, Mm -hmm. and we were were volunteering to do the PR around that campaign, and people are like, well, I don't know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys, this could be so fun. Think what we could do. We could do this, we could do that, and so I brought people together, and I remember thinking, I'm good at this. Like, I can see a vision, and I can get people motivated, and all of that, and, you know, so I think that I think back to that time and I probably didn't know it then, but I knew that like I had a knack because some other people were like, oh, should we do it or not do it? I'm like, yes, we should do it. And I rallied people and six of us did it and had learned a lot, had fun and made a difference. Wow. So you were able to see clearly like kind of up the road what the outcome could be. And even when other people were kind of like, oh, not sure. And then you galvanized and pulled them together and and realized that that was a thing that everybody right. didn't have. Yeah, and like it would benefit the Lung Association who didn't have much money and so we were free help, right? And we had an advisor, so he, you know we'd have a little professionals in there, but it would help us because we would learn things. We would build our portfolios to, you know, when we go to, you know, look for a job, I could show the work I did as a, as a volunteer intern at the yeah. Lung Association. And things like that. And and I think that having that vision, I think I get a little bit of that from my dad. He was a builder. Mm -hmm. So he uh, like a real estate, like build houses and shopping centers and things. So he would have, you know, he'd see this blank piece of land. He's like, oh, I think this would be great for this or that. So I I think somehow I got some of that DNA. I love that. I, I think about like the shows where people are doing, you know, structural changes to properties and gutting things and they can see this and see that. Sometimes uh-huh. that's hard to to do. Yeah. Like to see something that's in disarray or disrepair and be like, no, I think we can revitalize this and whatever. Those visionaries, like yeah. with Adam, like you, we really need <laughs> those visionaries because without that, sometimes things will never come to fruition. Right. That are sitting there waiting, like dormant. You know what I mean? There's there's purpose, yeah. and there's ability there, but it's just hard to see for most people. Right. And I think I have one friend, she tells me, she goes, you're definitely a woman of action. And I said, I am. So let's jump in. I mean, I'm going to be thoughtful. I'm not going to be stupid, but let's get in. I got my plan. But you know what? You always should have your plan B and your plan C because your ability to pivot as you learn more, as you run into obstacles, um, those are really important talents too, I think, to develop, um, not just professionally, but in life. Life never goes the way you think it's going to go. That is 2000% true. Yeah. (laughs) 
It really is. Um, that pivot, you know, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, that you might think you're going to bring a certain version of yourself into a space and you read the room. You're like, oh, these people probably <laughs> get that part. You know, let me yeah. bring this part. It's it's always pivoting. And yeah. I think that keeps us fresh, you know. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. 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 I'm not bored. Yeah. So what is one thing that you wish society would say more to our girls as they develop? I think I would say, take time to figure out who you are and, and, and don't, don't listen to everybody. Listen to your inner voice. Mm. You know, I've said often as a mom and as a boss, when I haven't listened to my gut, I've regretted it. Right. Yeah. Other things that have, have said, okay, I rationalize things away. And I think that too often we aren't encouraged to listen to our inner voice. And the yeah. inner voice isn't always going to be right, but that's okay. But it's ability to, because when you listen to your inner voice, you get to know yourself better. Mm-hmm. And you get to know what makes you tick. It forces you to grow. Mm-hmm. And it also um, forces you, um, it puts you in situations to have confidence in yourself and to speak up for yourself. Mm-hmm. And so not only listening to your inner voice, but articulating your voice. Mm. That is good. When you were talking, I was literally seeing a picture in my head. I don't know why, but this is how my my brain works these days. Like people talk, I'm just seeing images. And I just saw a picture of like, almost like a, a trial run or like, what do you call it? Like role playing where yeah. you're giving practice to young uh-huh. people, you know, girls, boys, anybody. But in this context, we're talking about girls, but like practice with doing something that's on the outside of her and saying, okay, your instruction is whatever you see happening or whatever we're about to do, uh-huh. hear, try to hear what your gut is telling you or what you're you're thinking about this and mm-hmm. then respond out of that. And then we're going to talk about what it was that you, you know, what was your gut telling you about that thing? Because yeah. We don't have practice in even hearing. No. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? We don't have practice in that. We don't have practice and we don't have permission a mm. lot. Wow. That's the other thing. Giving permission. It's teaching everybody, teaching young girls and boys, you do have an inner voice and it's mm-hmm. worth listening to. And in fact, you need to listen to it. It's not always going to be right, but I think that's also very important. Yes. Oh my goodness. And it makes me think about a previous interview that I did um, with Olympia Della Flora. And she talked about that very same thing that we don't trust that inner voice basically she talked about our conscience. And it makes me think about what I also shared with her that there was an interview that Oprah Winfrey did at Stanford Business School. I don't know if you've seen this interview, but um, I'm going to send it to you if you haven't, because okay. it's really good. And she talked about basically like these milestone moments in her life where she realized that she either listened to that voice or she didn't. And it it developed over time her ability to to hear that, to heed it, uh-huh. and to not compromise about following right. what knows is right. And I thought, wow, that was so powerful. Like she's she said at this certain juncture in her career, she's like, I knew that that was not the next right thing for me, or I knew that was. Uh-huh. And you had noise outside of her, somebody saying, do this, do that. She's uh-huh. like, this is what I knew, and I think that's right. very powerful. And I think that's what I hear you saying. Exactly. You you, um, hit the nail on the head and think about it in terms of young children or even like middle schoolers and teenagers. 
their voices will tell them, that's somebody I probably shouldn't be friends with. But like, you know, I want to be friends with them, but it's cool. But I'm not sure my parents would like it. And, and, you know, when I think about that too, it's choices in life as we're growing up about people, about situations, about big decisions, jobs, friends, life. I love that. And that, that connects in my mind also to the importance of literature for young people, because when you hear back to what we were talking about earlier with stories, when you hear stories, you know, even back to fairy tales, you look at, I don't know, Little Red Riding Hood or, you know, one of these stories, Brothers Grimm, there are lessons that you're supposed to learn vicariously by learning through the characters. And hopefully the more literature that kids are exposed to, they're developing their own ability to say, oh, you know, like you're in, you're watching a movie and you're Uh this third person omniscient, you know, view, you can see Uh what the characters can't see. And it's hopefully is teaching you like, oh, if I ever have a masked man in my closet, right, I'm right. go to the closet and open it to see. Right, right. I'm not going to open that. Right. Get my phone and call 911. <laughs> exactly. But I think, you know, that's what art is supposed to do. I think in literature in particular, it's supposed to give us some kind of vicarious practice with exercising our own judgment about right. situations. And so I... I I love how you kind of made me think about that. That's a really, that's important. Oh, thanks. It's important. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that we've had a really good conversation here. Uh-huh. and I want to let you enjoy the rest of your day, but I'm just going to say thank you so very much for being with me. And this has been a pleasure. Oh, it's been so much fun. Thank you for the opportunity. And I love your fire. Can I just oh. add that? So keep it burning and keep spreading it. Thank you so much. Okay. <laughs> You have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us. It is our hope that you have been inspired, encouraged, and most of all, empowered to keep letting your fire light up the world. See you next time.